Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Hey, Meg, what's going on? Eh, Not much. Hanging out here, hanging with the dogs, hoping they're going to be quiet, um, and talking to you. Awesome, awesome. I just got back from running some intervals, and it was sweet. You gave me a little little leeway to take a shower. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> I mean, it'd be all right. Like I said, we don't share a studio. It would be awesome regardless. But sometimes it's the little things. And like I said, an hour, an hour or so, if you miss that shower, you'd be like, man, I wish I'd taken that shower. Yeah. I got, I got a busy day anyways. I got up this morning, uh, had about a half hour to like get some breakfast in me banged out those intervals, got this podcast with you. I was supposed to have lunch with my wife, but I couldn't do that because I've got this going on. Oops, then, sorry, Carrie. Uh, it's all right. And then I got to go, we got to get some some mulch. You know, we got to go to Home Depot. Maybe if we have time, go to Bed Bath & Beyond, you know. Oh, yeah. You are <laughs> just, you are living the, uh, you're living the privileged life, my friend. This, this, is, this is my one day off in my like, of my 72-hour work week. And I'm just like, yeah. just jam-packed full. Okay. So funny Home Depot story. Um, we were there last weekend and when I walk, I walk slow because if I walk quickly, um, I, I limp, right? So if I walk slow, then I can legit do heel toe, but it's just slow. So it changes and I I don't really do anything slow. Um, so this has kind of changed my perspective, but Bill and I were sort of tag teaming in Home Depot. Like I had the cart and he's like, okay, I'm going to run to whatever across the store. Cause you know, he had to pick up. And so, so anyway, I'm really happy because my Home Depot lets dogs in. I didn't bring my dogs, but I like seeing all the other dogs. So I was like, oh, this is nice. And then they were playing some music on the, you know, on the speaker. So I'm standing there waiting for Bill and I actually started dancing. <laughs> just happy in my own little world, just standing there waiting for him in this, in this older man. So I think he was about in his eighties, walks up behind me and goes, Hey kid, you're dating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but it's a good song. <laughs> so, dude, I don't understand the Home Depot and the dogs, and it's not just your Home Depot. From there, the one in Burlington, from or not Burlington, oh. Rutland, Vermont does. Does it too? Okay. And I don't know if other ones do. I was in, I was in fucking the one in Vermont because we have because of our house, right? And I was there, and a guy brought his, his fucking like cockatoo. Like a full, <laughs> a full fucking parrot was like on his arm. That's I was like, very, that's very Vermont. Yeah. I was I like, see. I was like, what in the fuck <laughs> is going on here? Then another guy was pushing his, his like German shepherd around in the fucking cart. <laughs> okay. That's it, kind it wasn't, it wasn't like a corgi. It was like a full on fucking German shepherd. You're like, 
What in fucking Christ's name? But Anyways. this is this is what I find entertaining about having dogs there. Is I don't like to talk to I don't talk to strangers really. I don't talk to a lot of people unless there's a purpose, right? And but the dogs catch my attention. And the dogs are like, oh, that dog is so cute. Oh, look at that dog. Like it, it makes me happy to see. I, I didn't bring my dogs um, just because it's hard enough for me, you know, because I mentioned I'm walking very slowly to get in and out of Home Depot. My dogs, um, while they have bring, no. You didn't bring your dogs because you're a normal human being. Oh, I'm so far from normal. You know that. <laughs> I wish I could blame it on that. But no, my dogs. My dogs have not an aggressive bone in their body. We've never seen that. However, they get super excited to see other dogs, right? And not other, you know, all other dogs and humans don't necessarily want my dogs all over them. So my dogs really aren't chill enough to to be like strutting through Home Depot, dancing to the music with me. I mean, maybe in five years when they're like chill dogs. But if I brought them now, the smells and the other dogs and the people, they'd be like, oh, my God, 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 what's going on? That's what my dogs would be like. And again, I just wanted to make make it easy for myself to navigate Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, probably don't bring your dogs to Home Depot ever. I'm OK with that. <laughs> yeah, you're not. a, But you're not a dog person, though. So I can see why you don't get it. But um, yeah. But a cockatoo, man, that's just kind of crazy. It's just kind of cool just because it makes me laugh. <laughs> like, dude, you got a bird on your shoulder. It was on his forearm the entire time. His forearm. He's like, a, did he have a patch on? Was he like a pirate? <laughs> no, but he should have. It was fucking. Oh my God, if I had a bird on my arm, I would go around talking like a pirate just to, just to, I don't know. Oh, Megan, that reminds me. What's a pirate's favorite letter? R. Wrong. C. Because they like to go to C. I like mine better. It could be R, too. I know, but that's the answer everyone gives. That's why C. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, Well, yeah. So that was a good podcast. Glad, you know, we just needed to talk about dogs in Home Depot and pirate jokes. Five minutes. That was very very dad of you. (laughs) Right? Oh, I have all sorts of dad jokes. I like, so we take the kids on bike rides in the spring and summertime and about like three miles in, they're like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. And we're like, ah, we're fine. Just keep going. Um, and so then I start telling dad jokes like every 10 minutes, just, and they're like, and they're like, what is wrong with you? What the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, just, they're good so jokes. Much. So much is wrong. So much and is wrong. <laughs> we went, and we went, when we went to Disney, I would just sit there in line. I just tell dad jokes the entire time and like just grunts and groans from everybody. It was awesome. It gives me so you know much what? joy. Do you know what memory just popped into my head? And okay, I'm jumping back just a second. I'm going back to the cockatoo or whatever on the guy's arm. Do you, do you remember that time we were running in the West Hartford reservoir and a bird pooped on me? Right. And you thought it was so funny. I was so grossed out. I was like, you just were laughing, laughing. Then I looked at you and I'm like, you realize you just lent me your shirt, right? I was wearing your shirt. <laughs> it's all right. So I wonder if, his, wonder if his cockatoo poops on him. <laughs> just probably poops all over the Home Depot floor. Ew. Just like, probably, hazard. just probably like the horribly untrained dogs that are in Home Depot. Yeah, that's why, that's why I don't bring mine. And the other issue that we're having, so our dogs now are both like a year to a year and a half ish. And 
they're good dogs, but they, and I've trained many dogs, they missed the socialization training that I would have done when they were puppies. Because when we got them, it was mid COVID and you couldn't be around other people and there weren't many other people in our house. So, so we're just starting the socialization process now. And I hope it's not too late and I hope they, I hope they chill out, but we miss that. We miss that window with COVID. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. All right, so what are we going to talk about today, Meg? So we're talking about trends and trends in stuff we like, stuff we don't like. It could be serious. It could be stupid. It could be anything. Like, you told me your trends, what we were talking about, like, I don't know, it was last week or whenever you did, and I actually forgot what you said. So I'm genuinely I'm genuinely um, going to be surprised by what you say now, or, or maybe it'll, no, maybe won't. it will all come back. No, is it is it typical Sean stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then mine are mine are like I don't know stuff to talk about. I actually and I googled running trends just to see what was going on. And okay, this is not a trend I wanted. To, I was going to talk about, but you know it's actually a trend now to start running backwards. I saw that online and it was like, I was reading the article just cause I was like, how is running backwards a trend? And they're like, Oh, it's helping with your balance. And they give you all the pros. The con was you really can't see where you're going. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. I was like, all right, this is, this is stupid. I'm like next article. So, <laughs> so I didn't. Have you ever heard of the uh, knees over toes guy? No, but it, no. Okay, so knees over toes guy is um, it, it, it's an exercise trend guy. This is not one of my trends either, but it does fall into the running back. We digress. Thing. It's what we it's what we do. So, anyways, so he um, I forget what his real name is. He's been on like the Joe Rogan podcast. He's been on a bunch of other stuff. He's kind of created a little niche in the exercise physiology world, um, and it's kind of the idea that the idea of squatting, where it's like you're knees should never go over your toes is kind of bullshit. Um, okay. And that by actually doing some exercises with proper form where your knees go over your toes, you're actually strengthening your knee joints and, and creating a better foundation. Wait to, a minute. So does he want the knees to go over the toes or correct, he doesn't? Correct. Okay. All right. I hear yeah. you. Okay. So you, you create better ankle flexibility, you create better. And like, is he talking about like everything? Like, like, like running and lifting weights and everything that we do or only in certain ways, just in certain forms. Right. But like okay. we've been, we've been told, right. Like you never squat, like your knees never go over your toes. Right. That's the traditional exercise methodology. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like is, is don't do that. And he said, then right. Like his whole thing is that's kind of bullshit. And like, you're going to get a better full range of motion, in your ankles, you're going to get better ankle mobility, better knee mobility, and you're actually yeah. going to strengthen the, the knees. Now, if you're squatting super heavy and stuff like yeah, that, like that's, that's Right. Like, and you yeah. start and you start suffering with bad form, whole different yep. story. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's, and it's kind yeah. of the whole, the whole idea, like, right. Like CrossFit's very big into like dropping your ass as low as you can get to the mm -hmm. ground. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. like the traditional squat is like greater than nine, greater than 90 degrees is not really going to be that much more benefit. Right. Like, yeah. so, so it's just, it's just kind of a, a spin on that. But one of his big things is, um, running backwards, pulling a sled, right. It's sled pulls backwards. God. Okay. I've had too many 
I've had too many ortho injuries to even entertain that thought. And, <laughs> and frankly, if, if you're going to do that, Sean, I'm going to say, please video. So we can just post it and make it public when you fall. And we can all just laugh because I can't afford the fall right now. But <laughs> it would just be like, you know, something bad's going to happen. Like, no, it's just, just... I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really entertaining ideas of breath work in, uh, in my bike training sessions now. Oh yeah. You don't do that. Like stop and breathe. No, Megan, I don't. Do okay. That. Well, don't you do got to remember with my yoga background, that yeah. is, it it's, I don't even know how to separate it from, from my cardio. But what I've noticed is, you know, when you climb to the top of a hill, right. And your heart's beating so hard and you're breathing hard. What I've learned to do is control my heart rate through my breath. Oh, right. And so, and, yes. Yeah. I, 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 right. Like, so like I do manipulate breathing while exercising. I'm talking more specifically like, uh, like, like triggering type stuff, n not necessarily when Hoff stuff, but like more like, uh, right. Like, um, adjusting. So like doing like, um, box breathing after a workout, right. To like mm -hmm. go from, go from flight or fright to like, uh, rest in, uh, whatever it is like rest and recover or whatever, mm -hmm. like change that, yeah. that parasympathetic, uh, Oh God, I can't believe system. you don't. I, yeah, you need, you need to do that. And wait, we could do a, we could do a whole podcast on that. I, I've been doing that stuff for so long that I almost don't think about it. Cause there's a lot of times in my life, especially at work, um, where I'm dealing with a scary situation and like, like, okay. So my dog got, my dog got porcupine, the porcupine quills in her nose this week. And my kids were home. We were trying to, we were trying to get them out the door to go to school. And of course they're freaking out and it's making it worse. But what I talked to my kids about afterwards is I said, look, so when an emergency hits and they do happen in life, I go, hold it together in that moment, hold it together. I go, use your breath. And I was actually talking to them about how to breathe and, and I said, what I do is I said, cause it's okay to be scared, right? If I wasn't scared in some of the situations I'm in, it's just dangerous. Right. But I can't act on it because my kids freaking out, freaked out my dogs even worse. And we needed to get dog with porcupine quills in her nose and in her mouth. And she, what she, she is okay. Now they're both chilling on my floor, but we needed to get her out of the house really fast and over to the vet. But I told my kids, look, hold it together, do whatever you can in that moment, because in an emergency, we don't want to deal with your panic, right? We just want to take care of the dog. But afterwards, as soon as we're in the car, whether it's five minutes later, it could be five hours later, it could be five weeks later. I said, then you can lose, then, then lose your shit. I go, that's okay. You have to get the freak out out afterwards. But again, I was telling them exactly what you're saying. Just like breathe, know that you are scared. It's okay get through the moment, but it's the, po like, I think it took me a long time in this career, you know, both as a, as a therapist and as a paramedic to learn how to do that in the situation. Because when I was younger, I think I just suppressed the fear and I'm like, I'm not afraid. I'm fine. I could do this. And it caused some really bad burnout issues for me, but learning how to like, 
it, and sometimes it's not even a freak out. Sometimes it's just a conversation with a colleague, like, oh my God, could you believe that house? Could you believe that dog? Could you, you know, whatever it is, it could be just bouncing back and forth. Sometimes I do go sit by myself and breathe. I've done that a couple of times. Like I've walked outside and done box breathing or and for me, I focus on I focus on my diaphragm and expanding my chest and my back. And I know for me, when I'm stressed, I will breathe out the front of my body and in my lungs, but there's no movement in my back in that. So, so anyway, so those, those type of things I think are important to learn. And, um, you know, I just want my kids to be safe, you know, if there's ever an emergency or, or something happens, but yeah, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. Well, I mean, so in regards to a lot of that stuff, I handle that stress very well. Like I've been, I've trained for it, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. my, my entire life, it's kind of the way my training as an adult is mm-hmm. gone um, with my military background and my current job and stuff like that. So like we deal with stressful situations. So like, for example, one night, the fire alarms in our house just all started going off. And, right. And so, so my wife's like, what? And I'm just like, all right, everybody up, let's go outside. I'll take a look around, make sure nothing's, and she's like, why are you so calm? I'm like, whatever. Just like go outside. There's nothing, nothing to worry about. No one's dying yet. I yeah. Mean, not yet. Yep. Yeah. And even when someone starts to die, I'm like, hold your shit together, hold it together, hold it together. Freak out afterwards when everything is safe. That's, you know, because freaking out during the situation. I mean, if your kids see you freak out, then they're going to freak out. And all you need to do is get them out of the house to do whatever it is you got to do. So why were the fire alarms going off? Oh, because they're just fire alarms just go off sometimes. Like I think the, they get a in little, the en- little in the entire house. Well, they're all interconnected, right? So one fire alarm goes off. Oh, okay. Ours are off. ours are separate, and then we have a, I think an alarm system that's connected to the police, maybe or I don't know, or nine one one or something. I don't know, but yeah, ours are ours are zoned. So so once the fire alarm goes off, it sends all the fire alarms off, whatever one it is. So if you're cooking in your kitchen and you get smoke, that's going to set off your, oh, that's rough. It's super loud. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, they are. So like, yeah, so we have four bedrooms. So there's one there. There's each upstairs, downstairs hallway. There's two in the basement and then there's one in the kitchen, right? So like it's, oh, and one in the garage too. So it's super loud everywhere. It sucks. Yeah, that sounds really shitty. But that's that's what it is. All right. Yeah, so I'm glad your house didn't burn down. Let's talk about my first trend. Okay. So my first trend is really it's kind of it's kind of a, a multifold trend. It's like athlete athletic leisure wear type stuff. And the the like Wait, I love that you just used the word leisure wear. (laughs) Let's just pause, pause, old man. Leisure wear. What are you wearing today? Sporting my my leisure wear. Mm -hmm. And 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 the and the fashionizing of mountain mountain companies like North Face and Patagonia and fucking shit like that. So so I. I Patagonia makes great shit. North Face makes great shit. Solomon mm-hmm. makes great shit. Um, New Balance makes great stuff. But more and more, the trend has been going to urbanizing mm-hmm. that or 
or rich white mommanizing that. I don't right, know. Right, right. And it's it's like I don't I don't want you to make a a fucking puffy coat that looks good in the city. I want you to make something that's technically sound and will be good in the mountains. Focus on focus on what made you what you are instead of trying to like apply to this demographic of right. garbage. I I get that like the there's dollars and cents involved in it, but if all those companies go away and just become fashion companies, like it's just, it's just such they're, a shit. They're looking, they're looking to make money and the actual people that are out. And even you can see this with cars too, right? Like they show these car ads of, of, you know, people driving down dirt roads and over boulders and, you know, over these extreme terrain and, and realistically, most people buy it to drive their kids back and forth to school and to whatever so- sports practice. Soccer practice. Yeah. And, and I think first that it makes everybody feel cool. Like, okay, if I buy this car, I'm going to be able to do blah, blah, blah. And reality, life doesn't, I don't know why I'm talking in that voice, but <laughs> that's, what my, that's what my cool voice is. Um, realistically, that's not their life, but it feels like it could be now that they own that car or I'm not going to do yoga today, but man, I could do yoga in these $180, you know, tights that I just bought, you know, or leggings, whatever. Um, well that I like, I like that trend. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) most, most guys do, but, but it's the, but, but I hear you. I think it's people want to be certain things and the idea of being something that they're not is appealing and it makes them I think it's kind of justifies like yeah I could totally spend two hundred dollars on these leggings right um and just so you know my dogs are groaning in the background I don't know if you can uh, (laughs) hear that but they they agree it's it does seem it does seem kind of silly to me you know the 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 puffy coat that I'm wearing you know when I'm at 7,000 feet is, is similar to the, to the coat that I'm wearing when I, you know, I'm driving my kids to school on a cold day. It is a little weird, but. Well, it's, it's not weird that the puffy coat that you drive your kids to school with is the same coat you wear at seven. I mean, that's not weird if it was designed to be at 7,000 feet. It's weird when they start like tweaking it so that it looks more like it belongs while you're driving your kids to school yeah, vice, yeah. vice like where it is like in uh, my my puffy coat that i wear it's it, during cold weather it is god how many years old it's like 10 years old okay and i one. yes the ugly purple one and i throw it through the wash i know you're not supposed to do that it's gotten holes torn in it so i take a little super glue and it's not ugly it's pretty purple <laughs> take that back <laughs> oh it's pretty um I take super glue and that, that's how I patch the holes. Um, and man, that no matter how, how often I wash it and actually a friend before a race, I was running out in Oregon, Washington. Her, I, I was at her house and I had my suitcase open and her cat peed over all of my race gear. Okay. So I didn't know. It's like my clothes were damp when I got dressed that morning. And I was like, I just kind of blew it off. I was like, whatever. And then I was driving to driving to the race and I was like, holy crap. Oh. I was like, I smell. Oh yeah. I ran the first, I don't know, first 40 miles or so, like with the cat pee smell. 
Yeah. And I, and I actually, it was great conversation with the people I'm running with. I'm like, so anybody smells cat pee, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we digress, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's just a way for, it's a way for Patagonia, Lululemon, um, Athleta, you know, pick your, pick your company to market to people that aren't actually at elevation or they aren't in cold weather or they aren't running, um, well, I don't care. Like I, that's fine, but don't change, like, don't change your focus. And that's what I feel like the issue is, is I feel like the issue is a lot of focus is getting changed towards like, oh, we need to design sneakers to be, you know, whatever fashionable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't like, I want your sneakers to perform first. I want you to have like very good performance sneakers. And I don't want you to like start. But most, but most people when they're buying sneakers now, and I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, like when people buy sneakers now, the color and stuff really matters. Um, yeah. And I, when I just grew up that, like I said, when Mrs. Kelly tried on, gave me my shoes, these were the shoes I was going to wear. She usually would give me like two to choose from. Um, and that was it. There was never, never an option to even ask about, ask about color. She would say, take a loop around the store. Tell me how they feel. And that's it. Yeah. Like new balance used to make, really good trail running shoes and they literally like have two trail running shoes in their lineup i haven't Um, worn them in a long time and uh and i and i i love new balances i mean it's a local company right it's a boston based Mm -hmm. company it's it's done but like they're focused look you have their you have their hat on right i have a new balance hat on yeah (laughs) um and they but their like focus is like been more like oh let's be more mainstream and fashion yeah yeah and um, and that's like kind of a bummer cause yeah. I really, some of their, some of their running, some of their trail running shoes were awesome and they changed, they really changed the face of trail running at a time like that, that the sport really started to explode with like Anton Kerpichka and Scott Jarek and like, yeah, yeah, Joe, yeah. like, and has that like, has that curve like accelerated? They were like, they were right there at the forefront and then. For whatever reason, their focus changed. Money. And it's all about money. So yeah, it's gar- they got a bottom line. Yeah, garbage, garbage. Yep. And then, and then, yeah. So it's that's just makes me sad. Makes yeah, me sad. I hear that. Okay. <laughs> just the rant, slight rant over. Sadness. That's okay. Well, that's what this is for. This is this. These are these are yeah rants that we're going to just engage each other in. So. The first trend I want to talk about, and I have to hold this book up, and I think we can take a picture of it for show notes, is the book Roar by Stacey Sims. Did your fucking dog eat that? Yes, <laughs> honestly. So my so this book, and again, we'll we'll post a picture. It's duct taped, and the whole like it's chewed on all the edges. It's still readable. Okay, I and I have like it's completely dog-eared. Um, I'm always referring to this. Um, so Stacy Sims um, um, has her PhD. Um, she started doing um, extra. I think it was for. I don't know if it was for her doctorate or it was postdoctorate. But she started doing her research on women um, in exercise physiology because all of the studies that that were done in the past were done on men because women. Guess what? I got to tell you something. I don't know if you know this, but we have periods. 
right? We have menstrual cycles and those menstrual cycles are just too inconvenient, too inconvenient to test around. So women weren't including included in a lot of the exercise testing. And so the way that we were coaching, and I say you, and I'm going to say we, because I know you've adopted these concepts into your into your athletes training, but the way that we were training people, not just us, but even how I was raised, we were trained like small men, right? So she, her research really, um, came out and was very popular because she did a Ted talk and her, you know, her line, her tagline is women are not small men. And I have to say, that's exactly how I was trained. It's exactly how I trained other women. Um, I didn't really, incorporate the hormonal changes in women, uh, until, until the last few years. And what, what her research is based on is where the fluctuations in a woman's cycle. And this is, and it's not just for women who are menstruating. It's, it's also for menopausal women or women that may be on hormones for, for whatever reason, but it's important to incorporate those changes into our athletic training. For example, um, she is not a fan of um, of low carbohydrate diets, and she's not a fan of um, fasted running for women. Uh, and she is she's really ch- and so with me over the years, I typically keep myself relatively low carbohydrate only because I'm hypoglycemic. So it's not so much about the number of carbohydrates that I get on a daily basis. It's where they come from. So for me, if I were to have like a pack of M&Ms before I ran afterwards, my blood sugar would just tank and it's, and it's really physically painful. Um, and I ran for a long time fasted and she talks about what that does to our hormones. I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat her, her research. I tell every woman um, to read Roar. And I think you and Sam, our other coach, I send you stuff um, from her all the time. I have all of my athletes um, track their menstrual cycles. And I've also incorporated, there are certain times in a woman's cycle where she's going to need more rest, where certain times in the cycle where she's going to need more water, she's going to be more sensitive to heat training and just knowing what those are and just working with the fluctuations, I think is a game changer. Well, what's interesting, and this goes back to, and so there's there's some interesting things about, it, right? So like, first off, the idea and the concept that women are different than men is a interesting concept. It is not an interesting. It's it's it should be fucking common sense, right? Is what mm-hmm. it should be. Yes, absolutely. Um, and some of the things that like should be addressed is the like fact that like because women don't grow up. Typically, strength training, right? So there's like a greater That's, rate oh. of osteoporosis that exists yeah, so in older women and stuff like let that. Let me let me interrupt you right there. You brought up something I forgot to say. One of her big pushes is in this is what she said: women need to lift heavy shit. For so, sure. Yeah, exactly. We and, we and have do, not been trained to do that. Yeah, yeah. And do and do plyometrics and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, and, yep. And and that that'll help like later in life with mm-hmm. like osteoporosis and bone density and stuff like that, which is one of the things that women suffer for. The thing that that's interesting, and it's and it's not there's no there's no cut and dry with the menstrual cycle. Like, and if you read like if you listen to Stacey Sims and if you if you read her stuff, it's some women perform 
better when they're when their progesterone's high, and some women mm-hmm. perform better when their testosterone's high, and some people perform better like as their cycle starts, as their cycle ends. Like mm-hmm. it's it's and that's where it becomes the art of coaching and the fact that yeah. you have to have that conversation with your and female athletes. I love it. I love it. And I think this is, we just, and we just need to be talking about it. Right. And we need to be talking about it and we need to be paying attention. It's, it's something to, it's something to track. And the other piece that she talks about that I love is she talks about puberty and ultimately boys and girls you know, physiologically, performance-wise, are the same until they go through puberty. However, when they go through puberty, um, you know, females' body geometry changes and, you know, their hips get wider. And so as soon as that shift happens in puberty, that's when young girls are prone to injuries. And you see lots of knee injuries, hip injuries, ankle injuries. And sadly, many girls quit sport at this time because their bodies just feel weird. I mean, I think, I think everybody, most bodies feel weird when they're going through puberty. Um, however, with, with young girls, the number that, that back out of sports at that age makes me really sad. And because well, I think that we, we need sport. We, we just do. Well, the, the, it's like, right. The angle of the drive of the, the foot stride in a, yep. in a, in run just changes because your hips widen and mm-hmm. that like, and that's, that's one of like the fundamental differences between men and women. And then that gets into a whole different category that we could go down, but we're not going to, um, what I want to know is, are you using red S now? Uh, red. Is, it, is that the period tracker app? Mm-hmm. No, no, that's, that's the relative energy deficiency, uh, in sport. Oh dear God. No, no, no. I, that's, I that's, that's, the, that's, that's what used to be known as the female triad. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. Now, now, now I know. Now okay. Got now it. Now it's called yeah. reds. Yes, instead. that's right. I forget. I'm still in the, I'm still in the triad. Um, I know you told semantics. me, you were like, you told me I will never use that thing. And I know, and I know for a fact that she uses that. That's her, that's probably, her terminology. Probably. Um, but it is just the common terminology. Yeah. Just, you know, getting, <laughs> I, I love this research. I love what she's doing. I love that. I love what the people around her are doing because, we, I, I, women were trained like small men. And I know that even when you do endurance training, like let's say you're running more than a hundred miles a week, right? I'm running more than a hundred miles a week. You get very, very thin. Like I've seen you where sometimes I'm like, Sean, you need to eat a sandwich, right? And, but me, what I think happens to me and what happens to most women is I get thin, Right but I call it skinny fat and I start to lose muscle tone. And for years, that was something I was struggling with. Um, and, and just, just the simple concept of eating differently prior to runs, eating differently after runs. I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm smart enough to know this. Well, the fact that you need more iron in your diet than right. Like, and, right? Like yeah. anemia, anemia is so, so common in female athletes, and well, especially so, my my heritage, your heritage. And um, so overlooked. Yeah, Western European. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty common. Um, so yeah, so I the, I love this trend. I love her research. I love what she's putting out there. Um, I love that she just got the ball rolling on this. So go, Stacy Sims. And again, if you don't have the book, buy the book. If you don't want to buy the book, go to her website follow her on social media. There's always a little snippet 
of something, you know, that, that we need to hear, we need to learn. Right on. All right. So what's next, Sean? Uh, so next is the question, are hundred milers, the new marathon are 200 plus milers, the new hundred miler. That's my question that I pose and it's right. So back 75 years ago, the hundred miler, I mean the, the 20, the, the, the marathon would draw very small numbers, right? Like getting a hundred people to sign up for a marathon was crazy. Now you have New York city marathon with 60,000 fucking runners, right? So everyone and their brother has done a marathon. How do you know everyone's done a marathon? Just ask them. They will tell or you. Or they got the sticker on the back of their car. Exactly. And, and I mean, really like really big picture wise, 1% of Americans have done a marathon. Really? Uh, yeah, that's all. That's Is that crazy. true? Yeah. Huh. There's a lot of disgusting fat people in America. Lazy. So <laughs> I mean, so let me let me imply that I don't think we're saying and I, I don't think we're saying that if you don't do marathons, you're lazy. We're not saying that. <laughs> there are a number of other endeavors that one could engage in. Um, yeah. Anyway, go on. For, for sure. Um, <laughs> maybe. Um, but so, so so what I'm saying is, is that I think the right? Like hundred milers are now pretty mainstream. People know people that have run a hundred miles. Like it's not, it's not a fringe outside sport the way it once was. Um, the numbers have consistently grown. Like if you look at Western States, I've been applying to Western States 100. <laughs> I'm going on like year seven this coming year. Um, and still haven't been able to get in because of the limited number of field, right? You can, you can have a field of about 400 people average, um, which is still a fairly large field, but 6,000, mm -hmm. 6,000 plus people apply every year. So the, and you get a greater chance of going in every year, as long as you have a qualifying race. Um, and so that seems to be heading more towards the norm now will it ever be the most popular race no i mean a half marathon is really like i think the sweet spot for most people right like half marathon is is a challenging enough event and um and and, and, and 5k's are fun 5k's are fun right 5k's but so the numbers for like if you look at like trends in running the numbers for 5k's and 10k's have pretty much tapered off um half marathons i, I have not looked at these trends yeah, yeah. So they're 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 pretty pretty stagnant, right? There's only only so many times you can run, only so many five Ks you can run in a year, right? Like as like I guess like you can only close so many streets down in your town a year. You can have like there's and there's a ton of five Ks is what I'm saying. So um, you know people run like one or two five Ks a year, three five K, whatever. It doesn't matter. But like the half marathon's kind of that sweet spot where you go beyond the five ten K. And you kind of like hit like an endurance space and it's not necessarily like overtaxing a marathon becomes a very big goal for a lot of people. I've known a lot of people that the marathon is a once in a lifetime goal, but more and more frequently you start to see that shift to, well, I've done a marathon. What's next? Like where's right. the next? Where's, mm -hmm. where's an, I get that. And yes. the, I, the idea that, 
that there's a hundred miler out there. There's, there's something, something to shoot to. So that becomes that goal. And then in the space, uh, and that becomes the once in a lifetime goal is to do like a hundred miler or maybe a 50 miler. But in the space of the psychos that repetitively run hundred milers, right. And that would be the same psychos that used to repetitively run marathons. Now it's, are we going to do a 200 miler? And that's mm-hmm. the, that, that I think is the, the new hundred miler. That is the, the virgining sport there, right? Like Candace Burt and like, has like brought that to the more accessible. I wouldn't say it's not it's definitely not mainstream, um, but it is, it is definitely driving people in a different way. Right. And, and, Look at, I mean, look at how much coverage Cocodona 250 has gotten this week. I, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be severely dated probably. But, um, I mean, uh, Joe McCartney just, like, crushed it in, like, I think 60 hours or something like that. Like, covering, oh. 250, covering 250 miles. Um, so, it's it's an entirely different different ball game, right? I get it. Um However, I ran my first ultra before I'd competed in an official marathon. Like, of course, I'd covered the distance, right? Um, but I started with ultras before the marathon. But in in this incarnation, uh, <laughs> um, I am constantly feeling the need to challenge myself. Um, so if I know that I can do X, like, okay, I did it. Then I always like while I'm doing X, I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Blah, blah. I'll totally rant and whine or whatever. But then afterwards, I'll be like, you know, I could do Y, right? Or whatever it is. I, that's right. how my brain works. And even um, it's part of my personality that I do this with physical endeavors, but I also do it with school. Like, I think I'm a lifelong student. I'm always going to school for something because I feel actually, no, I take that back. I'm not in school right now, but I am going to, I am starting a training (laughs) and I am starting a new training in a couple of weeks, but, um, there's always something I'm either in school, in a training, looking to do, you know, looking to do something more than I'm doing right now. So I get it. And I think a lot of times people metaphorically dip their toe in the water and be like, okay, a marathon didn't kill me. So maybe a 50K, right? You know, um, well, 50K didn't kill me. Maybe I'll do 50 miles or maybe maybe I'll do, I could do 100 miles. You do 100 miles. Well, you know, 200 miles would be good. And whether, you know, we could, we could spend a whole podcast talking about the concept of addictive personalities. However, for me, while I do have a, an addictive personality, I think that I just need to continually challenge myself for something. Um, and you know, so even thinking about coming back, you know, all this rehab and stuff that I'm doing on my ankle, I'm not looking at a hundred miler, you know, I'd like to just be able to run and maybe the first run that I do competitively would be a half marathon. And then I would, I see myself progressing back up, you know, half marathon, marathon, see how I feel. How's my body holding up? and then go from there. Maybe that's what regular people do too. I don't I know most people don't, most people don't, don't do an ultra when they've never raced a marathon officially. For, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I tell, and I, 
And I like to tell my athletes, you know, when they, when they start going, well, what about like a hundred mile? And I said, well, why don't we just like take steps? Like, why don't you enjoy the process of getting from yeah. the half marathon to a hundred miler? Like right. it, enjoy that process. Like don't, that's, that's don't the key go, right there. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey because the destination, once you get there is really freaking hard. Right. And you have to love the whole thing. I yeah, think. It, and well, if you don't yeah. love the whole thing, you're setting yourself up for injury and, and misery. I mean, the, the training for a hundred, a hundred miler, like, right. Like you break down mileage training for a hundred miler mileage wise is probably not much different than training for a like hard for a marathon. Sure. Right? Like, yeah. like if you, if you break it down, I mean, mm-hmm. some, some, some things are tweaked differently here and there, but like your, your time commitment for a hundred miler mm-hmm. training is yeah. much more than it is for a marathon. And I don't know if we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I say this, I say this to people a lot. Ultra running is not linear, right? So, you know, a 50 miler is not two marathons. It doesn't feel like that. It's, it's completely different. And that is hard for a lot of people to wrap, wrap their head around. Like when they cross the line of a marathon to go, huh, I could do this again. And that's not necessarily it. You're not going to run two marathons in a row. You're running a 50 miler. And that looks drastically different than running a marathon. Well, so, I mean, talking about, um, talking about 200 milers and 200, like the, the Coconut 250, you're look, like looking at splits from for the first 100 miles of that race. You're like, oh, okay. So like you ran a 28-hour 100-miler, which is a fair-paced 100-miler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next 150 miles is taking you 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. or or more than that. I mean, I ran. Yeah. I think I was done when I ran Cocodona. I think I finished the hundred miler, the first hundred miler, in under thirty hours, and then my total time to finish the two hundred and fifty-five miles was one hundred and seven hours. So there was right. So there's there's, there's a seven, little bit of a seventy-seven a hours more to do one hundred fifty. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of discomfort going on there. So it it it's like drastically changes. It's a hundred, a hundred miler is not two fifties. A hundred miler is, is the equivalent of doing three separate fifties, right? Like it's. Yeah. So I think for people thinking, oh my God, that would be really cool to do said race, whatever it is, whatever trends are going on. Um, like you don't want to write checks that your body can't cash. And that's really important for, for just long-term health, for even keeping it fun. Because if you're miserable, it's not fun. This does have to be fun. It does. There's, and it's not always going to be fun, <laughs> but there does have to be some level of enjoyment in it. So I hope people know what they're getting into. Uh, I can't, like when an athlete comes to me, it's very rare that I stomp on a goal. I pretty much encourage most people. I'm like, hell yeah, if that's your goal, you can do it. We, we you know, we'll work there. The only time I tend to rein people back is when they're registering for too many races at the same time. Um, or, you know, they want to do a hundred miler, you know, at the beginning of June and well, you know, I could just do my 200 miler, at the, you know, on July 1st, th- that kind of thing, just trying to 
trying to tell people the reality of, you know, the training and the race and how much it takes out of you. And I, so I, I understand that my, the only time I really have issues with goals is with the time frame of it. And especially if it's a, um, if you have a time goal, like if your goal is like to run a sub 25 K and you're like, well, I'm a 26 minute five K or right now. And I'm like, well, okay. And like, so two months from now, I want to run a sub 20. And I'm like, what? Probably not. Yeah. Right. Like let's, let's dial it. Let's see where we progress and like, see what it looks like. Or if you're like, I want to run a BQ and you're running a four hour marathon. Mm-hmm. You're like, Well, let's like, let's look at what it looks like two years from now or mm-hmm. two and a half years from now. Like the idea that you have to put a lot of work in sometimes discourages people into that goal. Um, but I, I had just, a, I had a memory. We were on vacation and I was training for something. We were down in the Outer Banks, some ultra event. I don't remember which one. And there was like a local 5k going on where we were staying. And I was like, oh, this could be fun. You know, a little bit of a speed workout. And I set my goal. I was like, I'm going to do under 20 minutes, right? Cause that's doable for me. That's not unreasonable. That's, that's okay. Um, so I start, well, first I'm standing at the at the start line and I line up where I think I need to be. And the woman standing next to me was, I'm about five, nine. She was probably about five, two. And she looked like she could be an anatomy model. Like every muscle on her body was so (laughs) defined. And I was like, Ooh, okay. And then I look around and I see all these young kids and I see young kids like high school age they're prepping for cross country because it was the summertime. Yes. (laughs) And so I take off with them and I can't describe the pain (laughs) that I I endured. I think I almost threw up. Um, (laughs) And I was so, and I was just like, you know, my goal was only just to break 20 minutes. It didn't seem like a big deal to me at the time, but when you're training for an ultra and all of a sudden you think it's a good idea to go out and run like that, um, yeah, it was completely overwhelming. It felt like my mind exploded. I did, I did, you know, hit my time and it was fine, but man, it hurt. And I was so incredibly uncomfortable. It Different. was a level of level of awfulness. Oh, side story at the end of this run. Um, you know, I, I'm getting my stuff together and I'm getting ready to go back to the car and the back of the pack was finishing. So I always, I always cheer for people that, you know, that are going by and there was this little kid running and he was all by himself. I don't know where his, I don't know where his parents were. He looked like under the age of 10 and he was struggling to finish. And some person pulled into the park right behind this kid and like was like tailgating him because she wanted to get into the park faster than he was running. And I look at her and I'm like, she's, he's running a race. I was like, back off. And the woman just flipped me off. So, so I go out onto the road. I, I start running with the little kid and I turned around, stopped, faced her car. So my hands are now on the hood of the car. And I looked at her, I go, you're not going to move. I was like, he's running, leave him alone. And I didn't even like, I just, it was a little kid that was struggling to run. I didn't think anything of it. So she's mad at me. She's really mad at me. I'm literally like holding her car. She could have run me over, which was probably not this good position to put myself in. 
Um, so he takes off, she gets the hint and I turn around and just kind of start walking off the course and all of the spectators started to applaud me. I was like, Oh my God. Like I wasn't even aware that people were watching. I didn't even, wasn't even aware of what I did until afterwards. But I looked, I looked at them. I was like, I was like, she was going to, she was going to run him over. She was like beeping the horn, telling this little kid to go faster. Oh man. I was so mad. Little kid should run faster. Yeah. No, not with me. Not with my hands <laughs> on the car. She was going to stop and let him have his space. Cause he was just struggling. He just wanted she, to finish his race. She was, just, she was just trying to motivate him, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> let me run you over with my car. Yeah. So you shouldn't what? stop cars with your body. I don't recommend doing that because if she was mad, it, it would not have ended madder, <laughs> more mad. It, it wouldn't have ended well. So yeah. another stupid running story. Another stupid running. There's plenty of them. Yeah. No, we have a lot. A lot. All right. My next trend is talking on your phone on speakerphone in public. Okay, if you do this, stop it now. Hold on. What if about you, what if about, you do this? Stop now. What about with your ear pods in? No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, that's because sometimes you. I mean, if if I have a call, if I'm in a waiting room, and I have my and I put my AirPods in, I would just like step out of the waiting room to yeah. finish the call. I wouldn't just be like, "Hey, Sean, what's going on?" Blah blah blah. You know, and just have it like in the middle of the waiting room. Um, so I'm always, you know, I'm aware of other people, but the thing that bugs me is, and we saw somebody doing it today in the parking lot. So she's walking through a parking lot, has her phone up to her mouth and is talking on speakerphone. And I don't want to hear your conversation. I don't care what you have to say. I want to hear I don't your conversation. Care. Oh, I don't, I don't care what the person on the phone has to say. And if you do this next to me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk loud or I'm going to take one of like. I'm going to take one of your like foulest songs that you've ever sent me. I'm trying to think like, I don't know, maybe one of the Wu-Tang Clan songs or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about this. I'd pull one of song, Sean's songs up. Little Two Live maybe, Crew. Oh yeah. Or, or, you know, Rob Zombie, something, something to that effect. And I'm just going to blast it right next to you. Stop doing that. That is my rant. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear I mean, conversations. I'm nosy. I want to hear it all. Oh, I want to yeah. hear. I want to hear you buy your groceries and talking about what groceries you need. Are you I serious? Hear, you like I this? Hear, oh, I don't care. Oh, like okay, this. all right. I thought you like legit wanted to hear people talk. I'm like, but it's like, what? Why don't they put the phone to their ear? What is the well, put AirPods I would, in? I would rather hear both sides of the conversation than just one side of the conversation. I don't want to hear either side of the conversation. Just I, I mean, if you're going to, if, if you're going to include me in the conversation, put both sides of the conversation on and don't, don't be offended if I interject. They only, I, I, my new rule is if you're talking on a speaker near me, I'm going to interject and I'm going to interject as I see fit. Just, just, so, just, just join the conversation. Be like, Oh, you know what? Bananas. <laughs> It's a Don't forget the cereal. Don't forget the cereal. No, just be like, like, you know, like, and I need bananas at the grocery store. Be like, did you know that you can eat the stickers that are on bananas and other fruits? And just, you know, add add nice commentary. You can't eat those stickers. Yes, you can. Okay. They're they're edible. Well, no. Okay, technically anything is edible, but the reason I... But really, those stickers are edible. Okay, anything is edible. You could, I could take... 
like the tissues that are next to me. In theory, tissues are edible. But here's why I'm going to tell you. I compost. I compost and I have my own garden, right? And one of the things about our composting that drives me nuts is when my kids don't take the stickers off the avocados or the bananas because then the compost breaks down, those stickers don't break down. They, I, like, I will pick stickers out of my composter. Six facts you about fruit stickers you did not know. Per the FDA, Fruit stickers are the FDA edible. said it, then it's good. Then we know then we know it's okay. The sticker adhesive and glue is controlled by the FDA, and the label and sticker adhesives are covered in the regulatory law, blah, 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 blah. So you can eat them. I'm telling you. Okay. So, so all right. So you can eat them in the sense that you're not going to die, that they're hugely toxic, but they're not biodegradable, and ultimately you will just poop them out. Well, that's true. And, and they're just high in fiber, not- Megan. It will not biodegrade. As I can tell you, if you come over and do yard work with me, you will be you will be picking out those stickers. Well, that's just because you live in New Hampshire where it's live free or die. They put those toxic how, stickers. How on did us. we how did we digress to pooping stickers? What the hell? Where well, did we go? Because I was saying you should interject people's conversations. Okay. That's how we got yeah. there. <laughs> so so yeah, no, I that that trend needs to stop. But I do notice my kids talking on the phone a lot and they'll be on speaker and I have to tell them put in your put on your airpods put on your earbuds whatever um or or put the phone to your ear who the fuck talks on a phone anyways I just text people I don't want to talk to anyone I agree I agree but these people that think the rest of the world needs to hear their stupid conversation oh so we were at the beach the other day and there was a guy next to us on speakerphone and I'm listening to his conversation. I looked at Bill and I go, he's a cardiologist. And Bill goes, what? How do you know? And I go, listen to what he's talking about. And he was and he was talking to another colleague and talking about a patient and recommending um, what he would do based on something that they had seen in the cath lab. And he was going through different different things that he saw. And again, I don't I don't want to hear that. You should have totally interjected and be like, that's not how I, I would handle that. I could have. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't know what you're talking about, just totally interject. Cause fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what we do at work. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I would handle that situation. So that is, um, that's a trend I don't like. So. I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I honestly, I don't No, I don't spend a lot of time out in public with people. Um, probably best for everybody involved. But I don't see, <laughs> I don't, I don't see that a lot. So I, I'll have to pay more and even attention to that. One of our friends was in the airport. It was a week ago. And she's oh. like, the person next to me won't shut up on the speakerphone. And I said to her, I go, you have two choices. I go, turn on the most obnoxious foul rap music, because she does listen to a lot of foul rap music. Um, either do that or just start having an insane conversation right next to her. And she goes, she goes, oh, I didn't think of that. I was like, yeah, see, you know, there you go. I know who you're talking about, too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but fuck bringing dogs to Home Depot. Um, anyway, <laughs> hold on. Let me go get my uh, let me go get my North Face pretty puffy coat on. <laughs> not the one that's not the one that's patched together with super glue and has the oh, stench of ten years of endurance in it. Get, get me your fucking two thousand dollar Canadian goose coat on. Oh God. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so so my final fucking aggravated rant is uh the fact that music is no longer produced 
buy albums. Like there's no, there's no, there's very few genres that produce. And I'm going to say this, there's very few genres that produce entire albums. It's a lot of singles driven shit, which like harkens back, like all the way back to, you know, Elvis timeframe, right? Like the fifties. And like before that was a lot of like, whatever, seven inch or seven inch freaking records, right? 33s or whatever. I don't know. Um, and so a lot of it's garbage. The idea that like you can put together a whole fucking concept album, something mm-hmm. great, something great, like, you know, Pink, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon or, um, you know, Led Zeppelin 4 or um, George Michael's fucking Faith album. Sh- shit like that doesn't exist. Just like, Pause. You just threw yep. the Faith album. I'm going to, yeah, go, I'm going to call go. it that, but No. Okay. Go back and listen to it. It is a solid album, like top to bottom. Because you got the faith, the faith, the faith. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> All of it. It is, it is pure 80s gold right there. Um, well. So, so that doesn't exist, except in two genres, right? Like one of those genres that is keeping that alive is punk. And the other genre that is keeping that alive is country. Mm, and, I, mean, I don't know about that, but I don't know. Really? I agree with you on those two genres, um, holding it together, but maybe some artists in there. Cause there, I hear so much crap country music. There's oh, so much like, I, I, I don't listen to crap country music cause it's fucking, I don't, I don't like, yeah. I mean, I listen to, uh, I listen to more Americana country music than pop country music the that kind of music is i don't know garbage to me you that's just like your opinion man i know you listen <laughs> you, you you drive closer to the pop country music than i ever will well, no I, I actually i i do listen to the entire genre i'll listen yeah. to like merle haggard um and johnny cash and then i will also um listen to um drive by truckers or something so yeah no i hear you i'm just giving you a hard time i think that it goes back to what you were talking about, about the apparel companies, and it's about making money. And they're looking, when I say they, I mean, record companies are looking for an artist that's pretty, you know, male or female, whatever. Um, they're looking for somebody they can market, and they want that one single that's going to catch on the chart, right? And then just, and then it's like, I feel like they're throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. It's not even, a, it's not even like, a full single they look for like everything right so music is driven now into three minute or less or less which is crazy right like the song length tension spans decreasing it's so so little because what can you put on a tiktok video that like can catch people's attention in that here's my question for you do you own a turntable i do record player okay good because i i recently i recently purchased one and one of the pieces that I'm really enjoying is listening to music, listening to an, an entire album, sitting still on wherever I am, um, sitting in one place and actually just listening. That is the only thing that I do. And it's I was able to do that a little bit, you know, around surgery time because uh, I had time because most of my most of my listening, if I'm listening to an album, one song to the end is in my car and yeah. 
it, it, I have to be in my car by myself because when other people talk over lyrics, I'll be like, wait a minute, did you actually hear that? Hold on, hold on. And we got to rewind. Right. <laughs> um, and, and the idea, and I was actually talking, we were, I was talking to a musician about this last weekend. We were talking about albums and the lost art of, of having a full album. Dude, think of the songs- how awesome it used to be to go to a record store. Oh, flip, it's, flip through yes, and, find, and it, be like, it still is though. Have, and, have you done it? It's still, and, it is because you find gems, you find like really good ones. But like, but like the idea of like finding new music that you right. So like if you, if you go to a record store now, it's different, right? Like you're not going to find a new artist that you were like, oh man, this yeah, album yeah, cover, yeah. this album yeah. cover is super cool looking. I'm going to pick this up and see what it is. And you mm-hmm. find, you find like gold in that sense, right? Like now you're like, oh. The, the and, important piece about this is the artists put those songs. So I don't know, let's say 10 songs or however, how many songs are on there. They put the songs in order for a reason. Right. And that is so important for the full musical experience. And I had a record player as a kid uh, and I didn't have money. So I would go to my parents' records. And I and that's where a lot of my musical influences now come from, um, are pulling out like, especially like the Beatles and Carly Simon, Tijuana and Brass. Do you remember that? I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember that album, but there's a couple of things that I know I never would have listened to as a six-year-old kid. What kind of six-year-old kid is going to be like, oh, this Carly Simon album is going to be great. I was just putting it on because I didn't have anything to listen to on my record player, right? It's because you're old now. Yeah. Well, I actually won won, um, a Culture Club album when I was a kid, and I was so psyched about that. Um, And I can still, I remember... Yeah, it was before that. It was it was the one before that. And but the cool thing about the album cover is I just remember looking at all the art and being completely fascinated as a kid. Like I'd never seen. And you know what, you know, what Boy George embodied. It was something, you know, growing up in rural Salem, Connecticut as a six-year-old kid, this was quite an experience. And just sit and open the album and read the notes. I didn't know what they meant. I was you know, it's a kid, but I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is so cool. And then I would just really dig into whatever I could find in, Lin- you know, in my parents' collection. Liner notes were awesome, right? Like mm-hmm. diving they really liner. are just, yeah. I can, like, I still remember the way like cassettes and, and CDs and records, the smell of them, right? Like mm-hmm. that, like, and like, whew, that's like something that you'll, you'll just never see again. Right, like talking about the concept of like a full album, like you look at like even bands like Guns N' Roses, right? Appetite for yeah, Destruction. All of those that's one like, and two. Remember one and two. Well, that's 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 Your Illusion one and two. But Appetite oh yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Use Your Illusion was one and two. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Ap- Appetite for Destruction was the gun side, like, oh, and they specifically yeah. put G on one side and R on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like all like the the hard songs, and then the Roses side was like all the and mm-hmm. by this, I'm using air quotes, the ballad side, which is all mm-hmm. like the, 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 the pseudo love songs is yes. that. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that is a solid album top to bottom. Every song mm-hmm. on that is amazing. And that whole, that whole, con- they, they had a concept that they like put together in an album. And that's, that's so lost today. Yeah. It's, it may 
I don't, let's, let's talk about this in another like 10, 20 years. Is it coming back with albums? Because albums are popular again. I was in Target the other day. You know, they sell, they, you know, they actually sell albums in Target. Yeah, but like, they're oh. all, they're all the, old albums. No, it was Taylor Swift and I forget who else, but it was very two, two in her new album. So they were marketing to, you know, Mark, I'm assuming they're marketing to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really surprised, but the, it, they didn't sell turntables at my, at my target. Cause I actually looked, I was like, if they're selling record players or they, um, and I use, I use record player and turntable synonymously. I know they're not the same. There is a difference between the two. Somebody who's probably going to be like, Megan, what were you talking about? Um, it's just from being a kid, we always called it record player. And now it's, you know, it's a turntable and a system and whatever, but so. Yeah, I have a, a turntable that is hooked up to uh, some tube amps and I'm super pseudo nerdy in that, but like I have. Yes. I have a cheap. I'm with you. I have a cheap tube amp that is yeah. a, because I'm poor and I can't afford super expensive stuff. Yeah, well, except that, except the little gem on your wrist, my friend. <laughs> Priorities, Megan. Well, in this actually, speaking of technology, I was referring to his new Garmin watch. Um, my next trend that I want to talk about is technology. And the interesting piece about this is that for those who know me, I have a watch on my wrist um, so I can tell how far I've run and how long it's taken, period. Okay. And the only reason that watch is on my wrist is usually because if I'm running, um, I have to be back in an hour. Or if I'm on my bike, I can only be out for so long. So it's really just to keep track of myself. Um, I have learned over the years of coaching how to use technology and how to use data appropriately. It's not my favorite thing. Um, And I have... I have one athlete that I can think of that he was just so obsessed with technology and just looking at all his data, it was overwhelming. And I had, I forbade him. I said, take the watches off. You're going to do, you're going to do your runs with no watches on. And all I want you to tell me is how you feel. So RPE, rate of perceived exertion and getting in touch with how you feel. So I've had a couple, I've had a couple athletes that I've had do that. Um, However, um, I I'm have me- made the I'm a metric for you are, you are totally. And, and to be honest, I don't, I sometimes feel like I don't need to know about technology because if I need something, I could just ask you, Yeah. I don't need to learn it, but that's kind of my lead in because I want to talk about, um, apps and technology for, for sport, um, for sport and in training. I have become a huge convert to Zwift. So my, I have a bike in the basement. It has never been ridden on the road once. It's just a road bike that's in a, um, that's in a Zwift or actually it's in a kicker core and it's connected to Zwift. And what I do is I ride on the computer, um, great graphics and it, it kept me in, it keeps me in shape when I can't ride outside. The other thing that I discovered about Zwift is, uh, I started racing on Zwift. I found a team and we, we do races and climbs and training and all this cool stuff. I think that app is what enabled me to become the rider that I am right now or that I not right now, like post-surgery, but it allowed me to become a strong rider. Um, the other app, and I made fun of you so hard because you bought a Peloton for Carrie. Was it two Christmases ago? Two Christmases ago. Yeah. Okay. And that was right when Pre, that whole. Pre-COVID, that, yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. That whole commercial came out and that everybody was like, that woman was being abused, you know, cause, cause she was training and then she was showing her data to her husband. Remember that? So I totally teased you. I was like, is care. I was like, are you going to abuse Carrie and, and make her and make her show you her workouts and what she's track, what she's eating. I was totally kidding, but I totally made fun of you. Um, a year later we got a Peloton for our house and I should say, I, it's not that we got it. I bought it for Bill, my husband. So Bill started riding on it. Then I just ignored it because whatever, I'm, I don't know. I'm not into technology, right? I'm too cool for that. So anyway, it's probably about six months later, I actually got on the Peloton and tried a class. I was like, huh. And not only that, they have strength training. See, this is, they have strength training. They got yoga classes. They got all sorts of stuff. And I hate strength training. And in the name of lifting heavy shit, I have to really motivate myself. So it's really helped me. Um, the other thing we train all our athletes, uh, well, not all of them. I think Sam is coaching somebody right now that, that doesn't use training peaks, but we, we train 99.9% of our athletes on, uh, training peaks. And that is an electronic software that connect you, you, you upload your data and, uh, and it lets us see, lets us see what, what happened on your run, how you're breathing, um, how far you ran, what your pace was and Strava. Right. I've been on Strava for years, but I just never posted anything because I just don't care. OK, um, but it's actually kind of fun. So and, and there's so many more apps. Oh, and I um, the other one that I use on a regular basis is when I'm tracking nutrition, I use my fitness pal. I found that one to be just the best medium. If somebody has a different one, I actually am using the the free version Um but so I'm using these apps to, you know, to keep track of what I'm doing. And it's also been nice. Like I've made friends on Zwift anyway, that I, we were literally racing together. I never, I would have blown off that idea, blown off that idea, um, many years ago. So kind of a convert to these, to these apps and the technology. And I still would left to my own devices. I would like to be able to just go for a run. I don't care how far I run. I don't care how long it takes me. I mean, that's how I started doing ultras as a kid, right? I just go out and run, but there are benefits to this. Uh, so I'm a convert to some, I'm very picky. Well, but. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? So we, as endurance athletes typically talk about how we really revel in the idea of being alone and doing this grind on our own. And what, and the, the truth of the matter is a lot of us really like the social aspect of it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. otherwise we wouldn't go to races, right? Like the races are a huge social aspect of mm -hmm. any of the training. There is a lot of time on your own. There is a lot of time by yourself, but we do like the social aspect of a lot of it. And now maybe not all the time, but we probably, all of us probably would like more of a social aspect in our training than we exist, than exist, which is, I mean, when I got into ultra running, social media and Facebook in particular was a huge help because it allowed me to reach out and like find people in my community right. that like were doing the same things that I was. And Strava kind of fills that in that yeah. regard, right? And on top of that, Strava, you look at someone that you've that's a contact of yours or whatever the case may be. 
and you're like, oh, he's riding here and he's or he's running here and he's done this trail. I've never been there. Let me go check this out. Right. So it opens up to it opens up your eyes to what's around you. As far as that thing, as far as that world goes, it creates a more inclusive community. It allows you to socialize more frequently, which is a lot of what you get on the Zwift, right? There's a lot of socialization. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some component of um, of like responsibility of uh, you, you're meeting somebody, like the idea that you meet somebody for a run or mm-hmm. that you have this Peloton class scheduled at this time that you want to go to or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And having someone, having someone direct a spin class to you is a lot different than trying to hit just metrics on a bike, right? It's it's much different. It's much more motivating to have someone there to pump you up or encourage you, even if it's not directly to you per se. And I think that might be the reason why it was it's taken so long for me to jump on that this bandwagon, this trend. I don't need the social aspect. Like I it truly lies. Don't. You I don't. Not, you might not need it, but you like. But it. I like it. I like it. No, no, that's it. I I never needed it, right? Because I could hit those. I could hit those metrics on my bike. I could mm-hmm. do that. Like if I. That's the way my brain works. Um, the reason I started really engaging is because I was bored. And I was because I was bored. Remember how I was? You know, I was telling you having fun is really important for me. If I'm not enjoying my work, I'm not going to do it. That's. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really hard. So just mixing it up and, but I really had no idea how, how important it was going to be for my fitness. Cause when I was riding this summer, especially on the gravel bike and doing all the climbing I was doing, like I, I was, I literally hit the ground running because I'd been doing this all winter. You know, I have this ride that I like to do up the Alps. It wasn't important to me the social aspect wasn't important to me. It really wasn't what, but I found out how beneficial it actually could be in that. I actually, that was a big learning experience for me. I don't see myself becoming, I mean, I, I dig through my athletes data, right. Um, but it's not a huge part of the way my brain works in regard to my, you know, my fitness and my training, I just like to do it. And sometimes I'm very Forrest Gump, like I just decided to go running kind of, kind of thing. I get that. But right. So I have, I have a fucking athlete and I tell them on a regular basis. I'm like, look at, make plans to go out and run with somebody, make plans yes. to do this. Like, like yeah. you will be much more fulfilled in what you are looking to do because you need a social aspect of this that you are not like reaching. And then I have another athlete that it's like, I'm like, you need to have a little less social aspect in your running. (laughs) And the social piece is, is sometimes nice. I like it. The piece that I've really latched onto is the performance aspect and just being pushed, you know, like if, if I'm running with somebody that I know is faster than me, then that's motivation right there. If I, if I'm running with somebody that may not be as fast as me, then my entire goal for that run changes or it's just, it's just another opportunity to learn. And it surprised me how I've taken to it in the past. It's been about two years. I I think think I've been doing this. 
everyone should have a friend that they run faster than. Yeah, but a friend they, is different than an app. Well, uh, so yes. And but I have, the, but I do have friends on my apps. So. But the, the apps <laughs> can create friendships. So, but like I, like I said, I have, I have running friends and partners that exist via social media and, um, one, I, one is like, honestly, one is a, actually I have several friends that I've created via social media that are legitimate real life friends, right? Like that I see on a very regular basis. Wait, you have legitimate friends? Well, I think that I'm friends with them. Maybe they don't feel the same way. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Wow. Maybe you can tell me how to do that. That'll be our next podcast. How to make friends (laughs) and influence people. (laughs) And three easy steps. Yeah. But get an app. No, just kidding. (laughs) But like I said, like I like to have a friend that is, that is slower than me. And I like to have Mm -hmm. a friend faster than me. Yep. Um, That way I've never necessarily. But then those friends I have certain friends that are great to run with because they either have amazing stories. You know, those people that always have a story, right? Mm -hmm. Or that just know a lot about like nature. I like running with people that are like, oh, that call, that's the bird X, Y, and Z that we, they don't, we don't normally hear them making this call um, early spring. We usually hear it later in the summer. I like that stuff because I don't know. I don't have a lot of that kind of knowledge, but I like running with people who, you know, people who know what plants are edible. Not that I'm eating a lot of plants on the trail, nor do I recommend everybody eat a lot of plants on the trail, but it's nice to run with people that know, um, you know, just a lot about the geography or whatever. There is nothing cooler than coming across wild blackberries or raspberries on the trail. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, it's like a free snack. It's awesome. It's my favorite thing. Like that time of year in the summertime where those pop up and you're like, oh, If I can get these before the bears get them, I'm pretty good. Well, I was running, I believe I was in Maine. I don't remember, but I saw this massive blueberry bush all along the trail. I was so excited. So I go over, I'm picking the blueberries. And then I just look around me and all of the bear prints, right? I was like, huh. And it was still early morning. I don't know if how, I didn't know how often that trail was, you know, people, people were running on it, but I thought, I'm going to go now. I'm going to leave these. I'm going to leave these blueberries to the bears that were apparently right here before I decided to snack on them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just have to be careful where you, where you pick them. And also we have, we have raspberry bushes all on our property here. I don't get poison ivy. I'm the only member of my family that does not get poison ivy. And whenever anybody else picks them, um, they get poison ivy. So, um, really? yeah, yeah, there's the yeah, other mixed in. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know how to kill the poison ivy without killing the raspberry bushes. So, hmm. I don't. Have again, this is where I need somebody smarter than me on this stuff, and they could they could tell me what to do. But it's there. It's really hard to get in there and pull them because raspberry bushes, as you know, are very very thorny and prickly. Yeah. So I don't know how to pull the. I don't know how to pull the poison ivy out of it. And realistically, even though I don't get poison ivy. I don't want to push the envelope there and pull so much poison ivy that I'm going to start getting it. So you just, you just got to wear long sleeves. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I would. I mean, I would pull it all out if I could, but again, it's, I don't know how to, cause it's just mixed in with the raspberries. So, oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. I think that like wraps up all our topics. Yeah. 
yeah, so some good trends, some things that need to stop, some things that need to change, but feels good. It's like a, like a confession. A <laughs> like confession. We get to get it, we get to get it off our chests. We had our, you know, our rants and our raids and yeah. We could, we could get into the bonus topic of, uh, the being too cool to talk about your race results. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some heated debate over that. Yeah, there our, was amongst, amongst our, our friends. Yeah. A lot of people were irritated at the folks who show up at races and say, Oh yeah, I'm just taking it easy. Why am I doing voices today? I, when I imitate people, I think I do voices. Um, Oh yeah, I'm just taking it easy today. Blah, 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 blah. And the consensus I believe was that people say that when they think they're going to do bad and want to make excuses beforehand uh, as to their performance. Maybe I I, like, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I probably disagree. I've gone to races and been like, I'm just here to have a good time. And I've run with, I've run with people that are much slower than me to like have like an enjoyable time. I don't think that, I don't think that running to have a good time is the same thing as before your race explaining why you're going to do poorly and making up excuses for taking it easy. Do you see what I mean? And I, that's, I I think there's a differentiation there. Well, I think to say that like you're, I think the, the, the specific topic was that people are, Ugh, I'm here just to have a good time. I'm here to enjoy it. Vice, the people that make excuses like, oh, well, I've had like a really hard week already and like I'm 100 miles deep in a week, which is a different, different animal, right? That's making yeah, an excuse. Yeah, that's what, yes. And I, having fun, I think should be encouraged. I think we all need more of that in life. Um, I've run races with with many of my athletes, Um and you know, pacing them, um, supporting them, and that's fine. I really, I don't care. Um, I think having having fun is also really important. But just you know, just don't whine and make excuses. I think I think that was my takeaway. Just be where you are, be where your feet are, because I think you could just go into a race and be like, "Yep, I'm totally undertrained, but gonna gonna have fun." <laughs> that wouldn't that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, gonna suck it up, Buttercup. Mm-hmm. Ooh, did you like the meme I sent you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now you're gonna have to put that in the in the show notes. I forget what we've talked about on this podcast. We, we talked. We've we've definitely talked about how you hate me using the word suffering. Yes. In regards mm-hmm. to you. yeah. So the meme is a picture of Yoda, and if I could do a Yoda voice, I would do it. Can you do a Yoda voice? Okay. All right. You can just do uh, your Chewbacca voice. Uh, I can't do Chewbacca. Well, there's no Chewbacca voice. Chewbacca voice is... All right, go ahead. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I, oh, I can't, come on! I, I can't on the spot. I'm just... All right. Well, when you when you feel it come up, you just let it out in the next five <laughs> minutes, okay? Just as we're winding up this podcast, you got to leave us with one. All right. So the meme is Yoda, and it says, running leads to marathons. Marathons lead to ultras. Ultras lead to suffering. <laughs> Um, I think I was asleep or something, or I don't know what I was doing when you sent it. So I saw it the next day, but yes. Yeah. Very funny. Um, ultras aren't suffering unless your leg is being amputated on an active battlefield without anesthesia. I'm going to call that suffering in an emergency. Otherwise it's not suffering. You paid for it. Suck it up. Buttercup. (laughs) 
But I did recognize that it was an opportunity to laugh and just poke at me. So mm-hmm. for that reason, it was funny. I just, it was one of your athletes that posted it too. <laughs> yeah. He said, he sent it to me too. So I got it. I got it double. Yeah. So I got that's, it. Yeah. That's, that's why it like made me laugh extra hard. And I had this. Oh, and, and, and it's when people start to talk about suffering in regard to this, in regard to sport, I see it as whining. It's not, it's not suffering. You paid for this. You're working hard for this. So to shut up and dance, go do it. Like shut up and dance. Yeah. New slogan. (laughs) Shut up and dance. There you go. I I do trail dance. And, um, is it, I don't know. What is Sam? Is it Sam who has that video of, of me and Bill? Dancing was we were like we, we, we were doing that stri- that Matthew McConaughey stripper dance, I think, um, when you were sitting down in your short shorts before Mount, the Mount Washington race. Sam has we, sent it to me before, but I, it might be Sarah that has it or is there somebody. But occasionally people get my my dancing on video. It's OK. I do it in Home Depot. I pretty much do it all the time. I think uh, music and dancing are like this the thing that can pull me out of any kind of funk that I get into. So, so yeah, so I dance, I dance to alleviate my suffering. <laughs> Never going to dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. What is, what is up with you today? <laughs> got a hard on for George Michael. Mm. Apparently, apparently, I mean, and that is not a, a front to back album that would I would have. I oh would've God, named. Faith Faith is a great album. I'm telling you, listen to it. Just go go through it. You'll like. There's Fleetwood Mac. Um, um, you know, uh, there's so many other like, like rumors. Like we come up with so many albums that rumors are like is a gr- classic. Is a great album. Yeah. I mean, it's just, so George Michael came up because. So I had listened. To, there's a. There's a, I don't know if he's a podcaster. He's a YouTuber, um, <laughs> pro- professor of rock. Uh, professor I of his, rock. I want that title. I'm taking it's, it. It's fucking awesome. He does, but he does a lot of like breakdowns of uh, 70s and 80s albums and music genres and trends of that time. And, Tom uh, Petty, there's another one. You just reminded me when you said breakdown. Breakdown. Anyways. Um, Go ahead and give it to me. And he did like a whole, a whole breakdown of that album, the faith album and how it's a solid album, like top to bottom. And I was like, I was like, I really got to give this like a a real legitimate, like solid listen through. And I did. And I was like, it really is a fucking great album. There is, I think off that album, I think there were six top 10 hits on it. Mm -hmm. And three or four that went to number one. Okay. I, an album that I pulled up um, from a late 80s, early 90s, I'd have to look at the year, that I have been listening to is um, Tears for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair. There is some, there is some really, um, there's some classic stuff on that. I actually listened to that um, end to end the other day. Everybody wants to. Yeah, but there's just, there's, it's more than that. There's just, there's so much good stuff. And so speaking of that song, did you know there's also a version of that that is Everybody Wants to Run the World? 
and it was put out in regards to some race. I'd have to look it up, but it was in regards. It might have been a Nike promotion or something like that. That makes sense. Oh, you know, that does sound vaguely familiar now. It like it, it actually it actually like came up on uh, on a playlist and I was like, that's not the way the song goes. It <laughs> fucked my head up and I had to like I had to look it up. <laughs> it doesn't take much. <laughs> Um, well, you can, you can, uh, you can put that in our, you can put that in our show notes, whatever, whatever that is. Now that, now that we decided that was your responsibility, cause I forget what we talk about. I do. I do forget what we talk about. How many times have I be like, do we talk about it on the podcast or real life? I never, <laughs> I don't know that there's a difference anymore. So and that's I think, where we hope to be. Yeah. So what, um, what song is. What song do you? What song are you going to use to take us out today? Tell us about that, because you picked. In my humble opinion, you picked a good one. Well, I mean, it is a good song. It is. Yes. It is arguably. It is one of my, one of my favorite versions of this particular song. It's uh, Althea. It's. I forget what year is it. It's Nassau Coliseum. Nineteen eighty. It's nineteen eighty, and Jerry's, Jerry's guitar on it is so fucking good. Um, he's arguably the, one of the most underrated guitarists, in my opinion, um, his, his solos on this, the, like the weaving in and out is so good. Um, Jerry lyrically, like vocally could get a little, a little rough depending on where he was in his, in his his addiction. Um, but on this day he was fucking on fire and it is it is a great great version fucking Althea Nassau Coliseum 1980 alright well we'll use this to take us out um, as we've mentioned before um, like us rate us talk to us tell us what you think and hope you enjoy Grateful Dead I told Althea I was free some direction Althea told me upon scrutiny and my back my need protection I told Althea that treachery
Forgetting the love we bring 